Welcome back to the Broncos Avenue Podcast. It's your host, Amir, with my co-host, Jordan, today. With a very special guest today, we have Broncos insider Benjamin Albright on today to answer some questions, get a, you know, a good outlook or inside look on the Broncos team this season. And, you know, uh, without, without further ado, how are you doing today, Ben? It's great to have you on. Well, thanks for having me, guys. I appreciate it. No, I'm, I'm doing really well and uh, looking forward to talking about the Broncos. Yeah, so uh, first we just want to, you know, um, obviously it's, it's great to hear you're doing good. Obviously, um, been the opposite for the Broncos this season. Very, you know, 4-10 and 10 record. Things definitely haven't gone th- this way. Uh, the way that the, you know, organization, the team, everybody, you know, wanted this uh, team to do this uh, season results have been pretty poor to say the least. Um, just want to kind of get your, you know, your, you know, thoughts on this, you know, going into this season and then now looking back at it. What do you think, you know, how can you rationalize to Broncos fans how things, you know, went wrong for the team this season? How did, you know, besides the injuries and stuff, just from just from like looking at it schematically, what went wrong for the Broncos this year? What what do you look at specifically on this roster that resonates with you that wouldn't really necessarily be, you know, in the same perspective as most uh, fans? Well, I think to start it off, I mean, you did mention the injuries. So let's let's yeah. start there, and then we'll work our way around. I think the injuries are a part of it. Um, the Broncos had the most injuries, uh, people on the injured reserve, in the NFL. So I, I think that's a part of it. I mean, the offensive line, we're down to fourth and fifth string guards. We get any further on depth, and it's going to be weekend at Bernie's with the, the, the tackle in the center propping a, propping a body up there. So um, I think that, uh, you know, I think the injuries always play a part of it. So that, that that's part of it. That's not to say other teams don't have bad injury luck, but that's certainly a part of it. I think the main thing, that's that's the problem here the main two things that were the problem here is that the offensive line has not been what it needed to be and I, I think that the Broncos got this idea that they were going to kind of have a hybrid situation where they brought in half of what Nathaniel Hackett was going to do, half of what Russell Wilson does, and kind of combine that and make something out of it. And, and what you got was half of a good offense. Um, you know, in the end, you need to do 100% commit to something. And whether that's uh, 100% commit to what Hackett does and expect Russ to execute it, or the smarter move, which is 100% commit to what Russell Wilson does well and just tailor your offense around that. Uh, and, and I think uh, you would have had something better. Um, I, I, you know, the, the team got away from the run game at times, yeah. uh, quite a few times this season. And we've seen what happens when, when you stick with it the last two games, look at that. They've scored points against Kansas city. They won against the Cardinals. If you stick with that run game and you give a commitment to it, you can build off that and make something successful. So I, I think the Broncos kind of learned their lesson on, Hey, uh, we, we don't need to be knee jerk. If something isn't working, let's stick with it. And, and, you know, let's find things that maximize our players abilities. Russell Wilson, isn't drew Brees, So let's not create the drew Brees offense and expect, him to be Drew Brees. Um, yeah, I mean, man, I agree with everything you just said, you know, um, and, you know, looking forward to after the season, you know, we all know Nathaniel Hackett's probably going to pretty much is going to be a one and done head coach. You know, who would you think is, you know, the best fit to be our next head coach? Would you think, you know, somebody to be elevated or bring in a new guy? Well, I think you have options. I think, you know, in a perfect world and in a vacuum, I think you do a wide ranging coaching search. Uh, I don't think that's possible in this scenario. I think that because you're financially committed to Russell Wilson for the next two seasons, um, I, I think you have to go with someone you feel is going to maximize him so what does that mean uh that means you know at least picking the brains of guys like daryl bevel and brian schottenheimer um and people that have worked with russell wilson and want to work with russell wilson i think one of the interesting things is in the last coaching search denver was a very desirable job because you had all these draft picks a ton of cap space uh and things like that and now you're in a situation where your your cap space is hampered you're without draft picks uh and so the broncos 
job maybe isn't as attractive as it was just this time last year. Um, you have to find somebody who wants to work with Russell Wilson that understands they're not going to have draft picks to be able to replenish the roster. Um, and so, you know, th- that's going to limit, I think, the candidate pool. I know I've seen Broncos fans all the time talking about Sean Payton. Sean Payton is not coming here. He doesn't want yeah. this job. He's going to go take yeah, one nah. of the other jobs. Nah. Uh, that's, that's wishful thinking. Jim Harbaugh, not going to come here. Um, you know, that, and, and nothing against Jim Harbaugh, but uh, he's, you know, and I like Jim Harbaugh a lot. He's a great guy, but. Uh, he's not going to come here. I mean, he's, he's going to want a, an organization that's going to let him do things his way. And unfortunately, the, the candidate pool is going to be limited to people that uh, are going to understand that you're going to have to work with Russell Wilson for two years. And you've got an ownership group that, that is willing to fire a coach after one year, you know. And so who's going to burn their shot at being a head coach in the NFL on on that? And that, that's a that's a tough ask. So I. Uh, to, to make a short story very long, I would suggest that Dan Quinn is probably your favorite in the clubhouse to be the head coach. He's worked with Brian Schottenheimer before, both on the Jets coaching staff a long time ago under Eric Mangini in Dallas. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, I would suggest that, that that is probably your best bet because it also allows you to keep a Joe Evero. Um, you know, Dan Quinn and, and Evero would work together. Uh, Evero was uh, Raheem Morris's right-hand man, and Raheem Morris is Dan Quinn's right-hand man. So, you know, there's um, – and there's continuity there as well, and I think it's probably the the most ideal situation out of out of all of it to make the best of a bad situation. So I want to kind of go back to uh, Nathaniel Hackett. Do you think? And I know, uh, you know, it's kind of funny. Just you know, real quick, um, you know, me running this podcast, I almost never listen to any podcast, but when I do get the chance to, I you know listen to Broncos Country tonight. Really good podcast. It's always you know funny seeing. Yeah, the the love hate relationship between you and Ryan's pretty funny, um, and uh, but I've heard you guys talk uh, quite a few times how you know it's going to have to take a lot for the Broncos to you know bring back Nathaniel Hackett. Obviously, there's been improvement these last two games, averaging 26 points per game. They've seen, like you said, improvements in the run game. You know, more balance. Um, you know, offensive attack and approach, putting more points on the board. Um, do you think in any way possible the last three games? Is there any way that Nathaniel Hackett can save his job? I know fans have kind of, you know, switched up a little bit. It seems like every week they're switching up. But do you think there's any way that Nathaniel Hackett is retained uh, on this coaching staff for 2023? Well, um, you know, I think that's a, I think that's a very tough ask. Uh, I think that's a very difficult, you know, set of players. I, I think that Nathaniel Hackett would have to. Well, we're losing you 25 yeah. plus points a game. Um, you know, I, I think that you'd have to win out basically. I think you'd have to, you'd, you'd at least have to beat Kansas city and snap the streak. Um, I think there's, I think there's some core benchmarks there that, that aren't impossible, but are, but are very unlikely, um, you know, for him to achieve. Uh, if I were to, you know, put a percentage on it, uh, I, 1%, he keeps his job. 99% he's gone. That, that's probably the best wow. way to put that. So it's going to take quite a bit. Um, and then secondly, um, besides Dan Quinn, do you know of like a short list that George Payton already has his eyes set on potentially some, um, you know, newer candidates, if any chance? Um, do I have the, his personal short list in my email? No. Uh, do I know of guys that have been reached out to or would be reached out to, um, you know, in that particular situation to see if that's something that they would want? Uh, I, I would suggest that obviously Dan Quinn and, and Brian Schottenheimer would get interviews. Mm-hmm. Brian probably more as an OC. Uh, they would probably bring John Gannon back for another interview. That was one of George Payton's favorites from the last cycle. Uh, I don't think John Gannon would get the job and I don't think he would take the job. He's have his choice of other jobs, including Houston and, and Seattle, if it comes available. Uh, yeah. Frank Reich would probably be reached out to. Um, 
Daryl Bevel would be reached out to. Um, and okay. I think, you know, those guys, you'd, you'd kind of, uh, you know, listen to what they have to say. I think that, uh, um, there will be other names on the list. Leslie Frazier would probably get reached out to, uh, well, I don't think he's going to get an interview. Um, yeah, I would say that, um, I would personally, I probably would go with Frank Reich or Daryl Bevel. I just think, you know, we need kind of an experienced guy, either one that's going really, you know, cater to Russ or somebody who kind of knows what they're doing at the head coaching job. Um, You know, just moving forward, you know, to the offseason, you know, do you kind of see us being buyers or sellers? You know, I can kind of see us moving, you know, one of our wide receivers to acquire more draft, you know, capital because, you know, George Payton loves his draft picks. But, you know, I just kind of want to know, you know, if they're going to be buyers or sellers on the offseason. I think there'll be both. Um, I, I think you've got a couple of guys that are that are underwater on contracts. I don't think Graham Glasgow will be back. Yeah, no. uh, I think you're going to ask Ron Darby and, and Garrett Bowles to restructure. I'm not sure that Garrett Bowles will. And if he doesn't, he could be trade bait. Um, so, you know, I, I think there are I think there are some some guys that could be shipped out, like you mentioned, for draft picks. Uh, I, I think that they're going to be buyers along the offensive line, whether that's the draft or free agency. Um, you've, you've got to make a commitment to that one way or the other. Uh, and then at the draft, I think they're going to be looking for speed at receiver. I think you need somebody that's reliable that can take the top off. And you know, we all love KJ Hamler, but you know the best ability is availability, and you know he hasn't mm-hmm. exactly been that. Um, do you do you know do you envision George Payton kind of going to free agency? And this kind of branches off Jordan's question a little bit. Do you think they'll go in? kind of attacking free agency or just kind of how the, the, how it's trended the past few years, just, you know, waiting to see how the market pans out. I think they will be market reactive. Okay. Um, I, I think that, uh, yeah, I, I don't think that um, the, the Broncos really can't be mega buyers in free agency simply because of the cap situation with, yeah. uh, uh, you know, with Russell Wilson. So I, I think they will be market reactive. Um, I think they'll, they'll let the first wave get through. Um, the problem with free agency, and then this is, this is always a problem uh, is you're playing a, you're paying a plus money for B plus talent, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, good players don't, don't play teams. Don't let great players go. Right. And if they, good players who want great player money go. And so that's the thing is, do you really want to be out there spending a plus money on B plus talent? Yeah. I mean, that's, that's pretty much true. Um, I would just have to say, you know, um, looking forward to the draft, you know, who would you kind of see in us, you know, kind of targeting going into the draft, especially with the 49ers pick is going to be kind of a late round. Um, you know, who'd you kind of see us targeting? Well, uh, I think you're going to be looking at offensive tackle early. Um, you know, if one of those tackles falls, you've got the San Francisco 49ers first round pick. If one of those premier four tackles falls, I think you're looking at that. Um, I think if not, I think you could see a scenario where the Broncos trade back, try to multiply picks in the second and third round, uh, get some speed at receiver and continue to look at the at the offensive line. Uh, uh, I think uh, you, you'll probably see them. um You'll probably see them draft a quarterback. Uh, Hendon Hooker, I think, could be in that mix, uh, you know, out of Tennessee. Um, But, you know, I think those are the main things that you're going to be looking at. And then they'll just continue to add depth, uh, you know, everywhere else. Yeah, so um, from what it sounds like, your uh, offensive tackle wide receiver is going to be, you know, the top two main priorities going into that draft, um, you know, which is completely understandable. Um, but going back to free agency, who are some kind of sneaky options that you, you could see being um, scheme fits for this team going, you know, heading into free agency, um, you know, and even, you know, assuming that maybe, you know, uh, you know, 
um, Garrett Bowles is traded or KJ Hamler is traded? Who are some guys they think we could bring in? And is there any players that you think we could potentially um, trade for, like, uh, you know, potential vets? Well, I think a lot of that depends on who's coaching next year. Yeah. Um, you know, if, it, if you guys tend to gravitate towards their guys. And so, you know, if it's, if it's Dan Quinn and if it's, if it's Brian Schottenheimer, you're probably going to see them looking for some, some of them. If it's Frank Reich, you'll probably see some Colts guys get at it. I mean, that, that's kind of how that works. It's such a relationship league that, um, you know, really on um, who, who's coaching and who's on this staff. So, I think it's a bit premature to maybe say who are some free agent guys simply because of that. Uh, if this staff sticks around, um, you know, that, that, that might be interesting. I think you could look at uh, uh, potentially uh, what's his name up there in green Bay, the receiver and his name's escaping me right now. is going to be a free agent, but uh, I think you could see him simply because there's a relationship there with, you know, with, with Hackett and, and Justin Otten. Alan Zard. Yeah. Alan Zard. Sorry. I kept thinking Geronimo Allison and I know I meant <laughs> Alan Zard. Um. Yeah. Yeah, no, I'm go. Um, yeah, no, I mean the draft's gonna be exciting. You know, I remember. Um, you know, I really closely followed your mock draft. I think it was the 2021 draft of Sertan, and I remember you got like the first 15 picks in a row correct. And I'm not gonna lie, I was shocked because I had no idea that you know Broncos gonna take Sertan. You know, I was looking kind of more like a Justin Fields or a Michael Parsons type of thing. But um, I would say you know going into the draft, I think Paris Johnson is probably a guy that I think we could take if he kind of can fall towards us because I think. Garrett Bowles might end up getting traded in the need for right tackle. I think I think he's going to be like a great fit for us. We can't hear you, man. You couldn't in and out. I think we might have lost him. Did we lose him? Did you guys get that answer? I apologize. No. Oh, no. No. Oh, okay. Right. I was, yeah, Paris Johnson's one I would absolutely be banging the table for. Ho totally agree with you. Um, he, he would be one of the names that, uh, if he were available, would, would absolutely be one they'd be after. Not sure he's going to be there. Um, yeah. that's, that's kind of the tough thing is just that you're talking about a guy who's probably not going to be there when they take over at the Niners pick, but, um, that, that's somebody that I would absolutely just be jumping up and down, excited, throw my hat in the air kind of move. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Who would, I've been like closely watching the wide receivers a lot in this draft. Um, the wide receiver corners are so fun to scout. Um, who are, you know, uh, what is potentially a wide receiver that you think the Broncos um, would take and are higher on? Obviously, it's super early to, you know, um, look at that. Obviously, scheme fits matter a lot right now. We don't even know who's going to be our next uh, coach. But and then also, who do you think uh, who's your your favorite uh, wide receiver prospects coming up? And, you know, the mid rounds to early rounds. Oh man, it's tough. Um, you yeah. know, I haven't, I haven't really gotten into the deep dive portion of all this yet. Just kind of surface stuff. So, yeah. um, so that's, that's, that's tough, but I will say that, uh, uh, what, what you need to do is look at the archetypes, look at, look at the kind of, you know, physical attributes that George Payton seems to love. He seems to love explosive guys, three cone drill guys, things like that. Right. So if you're looking for guys that, uh, uh, that this team may draft. I'd put a heavier emphasis on long jump, three cone kind of guys, the guys that are explosive in their first 10 uh, out of the 40 and not necessarily the long speed. Although, you know, Jalen Virgil's the guy they brought in. Look for height, weight, speed guys. That's a big thing. Mm -hmm. um, I know Ken Platt does a great job with uh, with the Raz, you know, the relative athletic scores. George Payton loves the Raz. So um, look for guys that fit in the 99th percentile profile uh, in that when the combine comes around. Uh, they need long speed. They need somebody who can take the top off. These 
you just, uh, as much as we love Cortland, Tim, Jerry, all that kind of stuff, they don't have anybody right now that just creates separation outside of Judy over there at the X. So you need somebody that yeah. can create separation and take the top off in the long game and open things up underneath. And that's, that's regardless of who's coaching, um, you know, having Tim Patrick and Cortland Sutton, those guys are fun. They're great. They're great people. Uh, but, but at the end of the day, you need somebody that, that a defensive coordinator looks at on tape and says, we got to have a safety over the top of this guy uh, and dictates coverages to defenses. And the Broncos don't have that right now. Yeah. Um, I'm going to say, yeah, I think that's part of the reason, you know, we kind of, you know, we're struggling our, our offense this year. You know, I think, you know, Russ kind of look forward to having Tim and uh, Corlin Sun on the outside because, you know, it kind of will free up the middle for Jerry Judy. But, you know, with Tim being out, you know, Jerry Judy kind of forced to go to the outside and KJ Hamler just hasn't, you know, hasn't been healthy and he hasn't been playing that well on the inside. So, yeah, and no, I agree. We we need a weapon, somebody that can just take the top off. It's, it's tremendous. Yeah, I yeah, feel I like thought, I thought or, Jerry Judy's looked really good in the X. They moved him over to the X instead of the yeah. slot. And, and yeah. we've kind of had an epiphany with that. He's looked really good over the last two games sitting over there at the X. I'm hoping that when Cortland comes back, we put him in the slot. Use him as like a heavy slot guy, similar to the way the Bucks use Mike Evans. Mm-hmm. Um, because I, I think right now where they are at their career, I think that it's best for both of them. So I'm, I'm kind of interested to see that look. Okay. Yeah, uh, lots of people have been saying that, you know, it's kind of crazy to think about adding, you know, another receiver in the draft early. I don't know. Just to me, the availability has been a huge issue. Um and then, you know, now it's becoming a bigger issue with Cortland Sutton. And, you know, we don't really know how, you know, I, I would assume that Tim Patrick will be, bull, he'll be back, you know, at full, um, you know, uh, he'll be, he'll be back to his old self, but, you know, we don't really know that yet. Um, so, yeah, I, th- I think, you know, finding one of these receivers uh, early in the draft could be really useful. Um, but yeah, going back to the whole separation thing, I just, it, and that, that ties all into this, you know, whenever these guys like Cortland Sutton, KJ were gone, um, and you know, even Jerry Judy's missed times, you know, the undrafted receivers, uh, at times it's like, no, one's really getting separation on, you know, in the secondary and it's all, you know, thrown back on Russ. And I just feel at times it's, you know, not necessarily the most fair. Um, I know you've, you've expressed your opinion on Russ on, you know, um, Broncos country tonight, how you feel he's going to do, you know, uh, he's going to be great here long-term. Um, but how do you think things are going to go next season with a new staff? Obviously, don't, we don't know who's going to be yet. Um, I'm, I'm personally, I agree. I would love Schottenheimer here in Denver. Um, you know, reunion here potentially be great. And obviously, Dan Quinn reuniting with him. Um, but, you know, whoever is going to be here, how do you think Russ is going to do individually next year? Um, just if you had to guess. And do you think we will be a playoff team? And long term, how many Super Bowls do you think Russell Wilson would appear in and win here in Denver? Well, let's let's start with the beginning there. Let's let's. Uh, I, I do think Russ will have a bounce back year next year. I think a lot of people don't realize how much the, the partially torn lat affected him this season. Uh, when you get that injury in baseball, they shut you down for the year. Um, you know, it, it affected his throwing, and so I, I do think that he'll have a better year next year, regardless. Um, I, I think that if you bring in a Brian Schottenheimer, somebody that has run a successful offense with Russell Wilson before, I think mm-hmm. you can be highly successful. Um, you know, I, I think that uh, um, uh, in terms of how many Super Bowls, that's that's an interesting question. Uh, the AFC is pretty loaded right now. It's tough. You know, the NFC is wide open. You got like two teams, three teams in the NFC, and then the AFC all of a sudden is loaded. So yeah. uh, that that's tough. It's a tough road. Um, I don't see why Russ couldn't get to the Super Bowl once. Maybe you know, and depending on how long his longevity is, maybe even twice. Um, you know, if he if he sticks, if he rebounds next year and sticks around for another you know six years or so. Um, 
I, I think I think the main thing for the Broncos right now is uh, is baby steps. Let's you know let's get to, yeah. let's get back to a winning record. Let's get back to the playoffs because once you get to the playoffs, anything can ha- happen. And so I think that's what what the focus needs to be on is let's let's get back to the playoffs. Let's let's figure out what we need to do to get there, and let's let's get there, and then we'll worry about that stuff when it when it, once we get there. Yeah, I think that's kind of what they need to adopt this offseason. It's like focus on your short-term goals because when they came into this year with the brand-new coaching staff and Hackett, they all thought that they were going to be able to gun it down the field and just be this high-scoring offense. And after that Seattle game, um, it just feels like it got worse and worse and worse and worse. And now we're just simply down to the things like, you know, focusing on running the ball and, you know, hitting the underneath stuff because that's really what we're, you know, just barely good at. So, um, yeah, I would like to see, you know, this, uh, you know, Russell Wilson deep ball, you know, threat be revived next year. Um, and hopefully these guys that we acquire um, in the offseason can be, you know, a huge help to that. No, I, I, I totally agree. I think, uh, and to be honest with you, the offense looked all right in the Seattle game. If it hadn't been for the turnovers, they would have yeah. put up plenty of points and, and, and we might be having a different conversation. But what happened was after that game, uh, they just pivoted. Like, well, this didn't work. We got to try something different. Instead of like, you know, all the things that you had practiced and staying patient. And and that's the that's the sign of a staff without a lot of experience. Yeah. Um, you know, and that that's part of the problem, I think, with this coaching staff. Nathaniel Hackett, it's his first time being a head coach. He didn't even know what he didn't know. And so, you know, he, he, getting Dom Capers on the defensive side to help a driver was was fantastic. Not getting anybody on the offensive side, uh, the, the guy with the most experience outside of Nathaniel Nathaniel Hackett in the NFL is Clint Kubiak, who barely has any NFL experience at all. That's the guy on the offensive staff with the second most NFL experience. So, I mean, that's that's one of those things where you're like, dude, you know, you're a first-time head coach. You probably should get a guy out there who's been there before so he can kind of bounce things off you about, you know, mistakes you're going to think, things you're going to overlook, that kind of stuff. That way you're not embarrassing yourself publicly hiring a uh, an analytics coordinator to be in your ear in the middle of games in the middle of a season. Um. Yeah, yeah. Um... Last question I'm going to ask you, Ben, um, you know, is it, you know, about the locker room? I'm going to go towards the locker room here. You know, there's a lot of, you know, stuff circling around that, you know, the Broncos had lost their locker room and a lot of guys had, you know, been pointing the finger towards Russ and everything like that. And, you know, Russ, you know, of course, of course not Russ isn't a bad team or everything like that. But, you know, are those rumors true, you know, about, you know, Russ losing the locker room and guys, you know, giving him the side eye and things like that? No, uh, they're not. <laughs> um, I, I will tell you, I'm in that locker room. I can tell you that that's that that is a load of, of BS. Uh, are there are there people in there that, that don't particularly like Russ or that kind of stuff? Sure, like any workplace environment or any school environment, yeah. wherever you are, there's going to be people you don't like. That that happens. That doesn't mean you can't go out in the field and still get the job done. Right. You, you can yeah. you can you can think your quarterback's a cornball or a nerd or whatever and still go out there and, and win football games. And, you know, that happens. You're going to find that anywhere. Um, and there are guys that are like, dude, why do you have an office upstairs that's lame? Um, dude, why do you, well, you know, why, why are you running these sandwich commercials that, you know, like what, you know, like there, there are dudes that are like that and, and, and fair, you know, fair. Russ is kind of dorky, man. Like whatever you think <laughs> of him, like he's a gutsy football player. Dude is a gamer. Yeah. But he is kind of a dork, you know. Whoa, so, like, whoa. I think that's I think that's part of the thing. Like he is, he's kind of a dork. He is. It's it's fine. That's who he is. He's I'm, a little I'm bit corny. Yeah. Yeah. I'm yeah. He playing, is. You know. But I mean. But, but I mean. End of the day, like like I don't care. Can you win me football games? I'm gonna go out and bust my, my bust my backside to help you win yeah. football games. I don't care. You know. I don't care if you're slinging crappy sandwiches or khaki pants or whatever the hell it is you're selling this week. Like, I don't care. So I, I think that's the thing is, is I think the narratives that have come out there, people telling them they lost the locker room, that's false. So I'll just tell you, anybody who reported that is lying to you. 
Um, and, and you can see that on the field. If he had lost the locker room, the dudes wouldn't be out in the field blocking for him the way they were in the Kansas City game, right? Yeah. Um, so, so you know, I, I'll just I'll, I'll tell you that. As, as far as the rest of it goes, though, you know, I mean, these guys are out there fighting. They're, they're a full-win football team. They've been eliminated from the playoffs for two weeks, and they're putting their best performances on now. That tells you absolutely that anybody telling you they lost their locker room is false because they would be, you know, they'd have packed it in. These dudes are not going to put their bodies through 30, 40, 50 car crashes because that's what tackles are every, exactly. every in, in these games. Uh if, if they're not invested and they're invested in winning, they want to win. They want to build a winning culture here. And they all love Nathaniel Hackett. The problem is that everybody recognize you can like a dude and realize this ain't the guy in terms of being the, you know, being the head coach. So, you know, yeah. again, all, all the people and, and I've, one of the things about being in this job that uh, has been so surprising to me is how many people are in media that pretend to know things that they absolutely do not know. Uh, and so that's, yeah. that's one of those things that, uh, and how many people will tell you that they know things that they absolutely do not know. So, um, I would say this, anybody who's telling you that, that they've lost the locker room, I'd say to go watch the product on the field. And if you see dudes out there fighting and they're not a locker room, they lost because I can show you tape of a Broncos lost locker room. Go look at Vance Joseph's second season, go watch the Miami and the Philadelphia Eagles games. And I will tell you about a lost locker room after you watch them two games. Wow. Yeah, that's Lots, lots of people, lots of, you know, Twitter trolls. And I know you, I know you definitely know the, the end of the stick there and <laughs> all the, yeah, lots of people act like they're what they're not. Uh, last question, just kind of um, going off of that. Have you ever, it's kind of funny. Have you ever seen Russ break character? Break character? Yes. <laughs> uh, n- n- I mean, not publicly. No. Um, he, and he won't. Um, he, he's, I mean, whatever you think of him, he pretty much is that dude. Now he's more of a, um, what, what you see in public is more calculated, uh, I think. And, and he's cognizant of the brand and all that kind of stuff, but, but he's basically that dude. That, that's who he is. Like he's just that guy, you know? And so that's, that's kind of the thing. I think that there comes a point in life where people are, um, so wealthy, that and and so so removed from uh the life of normal people that they kind of lose touch with that and and i think that's a part of russ's thing i mean russ you know ciara is very wealthy independently wealthy they're very wealthy together and they have like support staff for everything you know they've got people that manage their time their schedules train them uh cook for them all that kind of stuff you just you're so far removed from uh you know what what normal people go through that that sometimes there can be a detachment and and sometimes there can be a um you know a, i guess kind of a way that we all look at them as one thing and and in reality is is they're just they're just removed from that their, their day-to-day life just isn't the same as ours and so um you know i think there's a disconnect there i think from the fan base and media and stuff like that but the reality is he's just that guy he's, he's just a big lovable goofy dork and that doesn't connect with uh uh sometimes with certain people in the locker room who aren't that or you know have are, are, are from a different background maybe a rougher background and uh and then they just don't connect well with that yeah no that makes a lot of sense honestly um yeah hopefully hopefully hoping uh you know russ you know turns this around because you know a lot obviously lots of fans have already given up on him and it'd be a hell of a story when he turns this thing around because you know we're here for it we've been through a lot the last you know six seven this years so I'm really hoping he, he turns it around regardless of, you know, what people want to say and report on him in the locker room. 
Um, and you know, the stories and media BS that they make up about him. I'm just here for the turnaround. I think a lot of Broncos fans are going to, um, you know, if you, if you already did, you know, you know, turn on him, then they're going to, you know, switch up and act like they liked him in the first place. So, um, for the ones that are sticking with him, you know, and, you know, much like, you know, three of us, we're really excited to see him, you know, resurrect his uh, career. Cause I'm, you know, this season, obviously like 11 touchdowns, like eight ish interceptions, something like that. That's not a Russell stat line that, you know, we're not used to, to say the least. Right. Right. I think uh, I'll tell you this, I'll, I'll put it this way. There are two things that we all love to see. We all, we all love to watch. Right. And that's a hero fall and then a comeback story. And so I think this thing is setting up, you know, like I said, hopefully it's setting up for Russ to have that resurrection story next year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I really don't see it ending this way for us, honestly. I really nah. don't. I, I like nothing tells me that it's actually going to end this way for Russ. Like, I feel like him coming to Denver, he he didn't expect it to be this bad, but I'm sure he knew it was going to be a bit of a you know a struggle to get to where he wanted to. And I'm sure he still he obviously he still wants the Super Bowls and he wants to you know build on his legacy. I really I really don't think it's going to end this way for us. Yeah, I think he came out here to kind of try to reinvent himself. You know, he'd been a run heavy offenses in Seattle. He wanted to be Drew Brees, you know, put up those kind of numbers. And he got in an offense where they tried to do that for him. And he's just not that guy. Uh, so he he's he can be an MVP caliber talent in the right offense. And I just think that yeah. he thought he was capable of doing something he wasn't. And, and he's having that realization. And now they recognize, hey, we need to turn this thing around, get back to what you're good at. And we can win that way. Um. I know I said I have, you know, I was done with questions, but, you know, I just got to ask, you know, um, I don't mean to upset you about this, but anything, you know, um, uh, you know, throughout the, you know, the years, you know, I know, you know, you kind of been a big Melvin Gordon supporter and everything like that. You know, I just want to know, were you surprised, you know, that we kept him, you know, um, for this long during the season that we did, you know, keep him? Because in my opinion, you know, he was costing us a lot of games, you know, the fumbling issues and all that, you know. Were you kind of surprised to see Hackett name him the starter and then go out there and not give him any, basically almost any carries and then, you know, him finally getting cut, you know, weeks later? No. Um, and I'll start from the beginning on this one. Melvin Gordon was my neighbor. Um, so, oh, wow. you know, that, that, wow. that, that should have, uh, you know, that, that may have, that may add some context for things here. That wasn't <laughs> just why I supported him, but I also knew the humanity of the situation. Um, I'll say this, Melvin Gordon wanted to win. Melvin Gordon was upset that it felt like Denver fans never really kind of took to him. And part of that was because he was taking carries from Phil Lindsay, who was a fan favorite the first year. Part of that was because he was taking carries from Javante Williams, who was a fan favorite the next year. Um, am I surprised they brought him back? I was surprised they brought him back initially because they weren't going to offer him anything. They were, they told him to hit the market initially. Uh, and then when he got a couple of offers, he came back and said, Hey, look, I've got these offers, but I don't necessarily want to go play for these teams because they're going to be bad. And I don't want to just, uh, they don't have a quarterback and I don't, I don't necessarily just want to keep running into stack boxes. Uh, so the Broncos said they'd bring him back on a, you know, on the deal they did. I was surprised he fumbled as much as he did um, because the fumbling, while it hadn't been good before, was never that bad. Um, I wasn't surprised they named him the starter. I was surprised that, uh, uh, and I wasn't surprised when they cut him. Um, the, Nathaniel Hackett's the guy who wants to give everybody every chance. You know, that's why guys love him. You know, that he's like, hey, you know, just because you messed up doesn't mean you're going to keep messing up. I want to get you back on track. And so the idea from Hackett was to try to get Gordon back on track. Unfortunately, that didn't happen. And it came to the point where they had to cut him. And I, and I get it. Um, so, you know, I, I wasn't surprised by a lot of that. The main thing that was surprising to me was the Broncos brought him back this year initially. But once he was brought back, I knew what his role was and, and all that kind of stuff. 
Staying on the kind of the topic, last question. Um, staying on the like the topic of uh contracts and whatnot. Um, Draymond Jones. Obviously, we want to know. Um, do you know anything about you know potentially bringing him back? We would love to see him here long term. Obviously, unfortunate that he he got put on IR for the last four games, but he just balled out this year. I believe he uh, leads the team in sacks. Um, so. Uh, you know, the grip big guy in the interior defensive line. Um, do you think you, the George Payne is going to work on a contract to uh, bring him back? I think they're going to try. Um, I think that it's a possibility. Um, I, I the, the, the Draymond thing is, is different because, you know, Draymond Jones is, uh, I don't, I'm trying to think of the right way to phrase this. Cause if it gets out, I don't want to, I don't want to piss him off, but Draymond Jones, um, is, is going to maximize his dollar. That's probably the best way to put that. He's going you. to maximize his dollar. Um, so I'll put it that way. Does he want to be a Bronco? Absolutely. Um, was he very upset when the team traded away Bradley Chubb? Yes, he was. Um, and so, you know, I think that there's some things to balance there. Um, I, I think that Draymond Jones could be back. Uh, I think it's more likely than not that he is back. But uh, again, he's also a guy that uh, that definitely is going to maximize his dollar. You're not going to get him to take a hometown discount. So um, because this isn't his hometown. So um, so I think that uh, I think that's the thing to kind of keep in mind is you have to ask yourself the amount of money that you're going to pay Draymond Jones. Uh, could you pay part of that to somebody else and a draft pick and wind up with the same level of production? And I think as George Payton, you got to make a tough call there. Am I going to pay Draymond this money or am I going to find, you know, two guys for cheaper that can do the same amount of production? Um, would that kind of apply to Don Reisner as well? Yes. Uh, and that's part of the reason Reisner didn't, you know, right now it got out publicly a couple of weeks ago that he hadn't got an offer yet. Uh, it's not that they don't want to bring Dalton Reisner back. I think that what ultimately what they're going to do is allow Dalton to, I don't want to say test the market, but at least let the market set the market on his contract. Um, you know, because Dalton Reisner, you know, we love him and he's a fan favorite and, and dude's a phenomenal person. Uh, I love mm -hmm. telling the story about, you know, I used to, we used to go out and do the show at Buffalo Wild Wings on Mondays and we'd have an athlete in for an hour, you know, do the live appearance thing. And, and Dalton, uh, most of the athletes that show up, you know, they'll do their, their bit for an hour, sign a few autographs in the commercial breaks, and then they leave. They collect their parents' fee and they leave. Dalton Reisner, after he was done, stopped, walked to each table in that restaurant, shook the hand of everybody that was there, asked if they wanted a picture or an autograph, and thanked them for coming up. And I have never seen anything like that in my life. He made sure every single person in that restaurant felt like they were an app, you know, that, that, that they that made it worth their time to come out, even if they'd come out to see him or not made it made it worth their while and so that was one of the most incredible things he's an incredible person um as far as being a football player you know he's a he's an average guard you know and i, I hate to say that because he's such a great he's a great person yeah uh, but, he, but you know that's the thing so how much do you pay somebody that's kind of a league average guard and so i think the uh you know i think the thing with dalton is they want to let the market set the market and if, if the deal's affordable enough then they'll absolutely match it and if it's not they'll say hey man go cash in you know you can always come back to to colorado after you're done and and uh, you're always going to be a Denver Bronco. So I think that's I think that's kind of how they're looking at it. Yeah, that's a it's a cool story. Um obviously that video came out of him being nominated for Walter Payton Man of the Year. Yeah. Um and that that honestly brought a tear to my eye. He's just you can tell that he's such a genuine, you know, down to the earth great person. Um just you know not Nobody can, you know, obviously the media and whatnot, Broncos country could find any way to knack at, you know, Russell Wilson and other guys in the locker room, but it's nearly impossible to do that to D Dalton Reisner just because of how real he is. Um, so, yeah, obviously um, would like to see them both back in Broncos uniforms, but it all ultimately comes down to the on-the-field on production. Um, 
I I honestly would personally, you know, prefer bringing Draymond Jones back um, and, you know, potentially finding like a vet or, you know, um, draft pick to replace uh, Dalton Reisner. However, we're going to go about that. Um, but yeah, with that being said, Ben, thanks for coming on today. Seriously. Um, I know you're a busy man. Um, you know, coming on here really means, you know, really means a lot to the both of us. Yeah, um, man. It's great to have you on today. Oh, thank you guys for having me. Pleasure's all mine. And I, I'm sorry, I was late. Uh, I was about a half hour late. You guys had some <laughs> had some uh, some grace and patience for me there. I appreciate it. I got a little hung up. So I thank you guys for letting me come on and talk about stuff. And I hope we can do it again sometime. Yeah, no problem. Yeah, thanks yeah. for coming on. Um, anytime, you know, we got Benjamin Albright on, we're going to wait as long as possible because <laughs> you're the guy, man. All right, man, you have a good rest of your day. Thanks for coming on. You have a good one. Absolutely, guys. Take care. Happy holidays. And I look forward to talking to you again. Merry All right, Christmas. you too, man. If you enjoyed today's episode of the Broncos Avenue podcast and you're listening on YouTube, make sure to leave a like and subscribe below. It means the world to both of us. Plenty more uh, interviews coming up with insiders and players. Hope you guys enjoyed today's episode. Um, if you're on Spotify or our podcast, make sure you follow, have notifications on. Until the next one, peace.